it claimed I was on. And then it's like, oh no, you're not there. What's your password? Oh. This week on Dueling Review, we review Josie and the Pussycats number one. Friends, countrymen, lend me your long tails and ears for hats. The Pussycats are back. Josie's getting the band together to help achieve her dreams of musical stardom. But for the group to last, it needs a strong foundation of friendship and trust. Can the girls get going or will Alexandra's plotting put a stop to the whole thing? Don't miss comic supreme songstresses return to the limelight in this exciting first issue. Anyway, Josie and the Pussycats, number one. Got it. Yeah, what'd you think? I liked it. I I was a little surprised how adult it was. I mean, there were a couple of not entirely subtle sex jokes in there, and yeah, there's that, some uh, melody maybe uh, just in it for the <laughs> in it for the fun times, right? And Valerie with uh, what time do you get off? Depends on who's helping. That was that was subtly, but you know, I. It's it's more adult than I expected. This is clearly well. I think this feels like early twenties as opposed to the teenagers that we're seeing in the uh, main Archie book. Well, yeah, because Archie is the teenagers. I thought Josie was always older than than Archie and the gang. I don't know. I never presumed as much, but you know, when you say that, it seems like it makes sense because she. I mean, well, she was in Riverdale. And I want to say that she was a school chum of Archie's in those early issues. Maybe it was one of those, he was a freshman, she was a senior type things. That could be it. That, that's because she seems to, ever since I've known Josie, she's always had a career and, you know, tour dates and those kinds of things, which, yeah, I know, there's your Justin Bieber's and your uh, Britney Spears of the world that your, are doing uh, all the, all the stuff as, as, uh, as young kids. Yeah. But uh, in this in this realm, I always saw Josie as as much much older than than yeah. Archie or anybody else. So, well, and you know, it's not like I've read Josie books regularly. The last time I read a Josie book was when I reviewed the first appearance of Josie and the Pussycats a few months ago. So, mm. you know, and that's a good story. But I I liked it. I feel like this is an interesting riff on the new Riverdale. First of all, which I think is great. I love everything that's come out of New Riverdale so far, and I also love the Archie horror books. And I, I feel like this is kind of a really solid young adult type story, which could be going interesting places. And I'd really kind of like to see a Josie Valerie relationship, but I don't think they'll do it. I don't know. All in all, this is this is, you know, we talk about revamps and launch boots and boot vamps and reworkings and. This feels like a new take on a classic property done really, really skillfully. I think, um, you know, Archie Comics, the the, the publisher, mm-hmm. uh, I think they've kind of something gelled a few years ago yeah. when uh, they kicked off. And this was almost maybe 10 years ago when they kicked off Kevin Keller and they added him to mm-hmm. to the set because they were really I mean, you had. Um, some diversity in Riverdale. They were starting to add a bunch of different characters. You had uh, people with disabilities, people of different races and backgrounds and religions and all that stuff. But yeah, that Chuck just, and Nancy came around in like the early seventies. Yeah, you know but, they actually they integrated Archie before they integrated the Avengers. Right, right. But but by the time Kevin Keller came around, yeah, Archie was basically openly embracing 
uh, gay characters. And mm-hmm. I think that some something clicked at Archie at the time. Now, I know that they were going through some changes in management. And I know mm-hmm. that Rob, uh, Roberto Aguirre Sakasha, I think that yeah. is uh, now uh, their chief, chief something, something officer. Something, something. He's one of the big. He's like the there. chief creative or chief executive creative chief. Yeah, he may be the chief creative officer at Archie. But, you know, when they kind of tapped into this idea of and, and again, a lot of this may also have to do with Alex Segura, who uh, who was over at Marvel and has come over and is the publicity coordinator for uh, Archie and also uh, basically has. My understanding has taken on uh, the dark Cir- or the red circle comics of the dark circle uh, imprint uh, heroes, and um, you know I think they've kind of figured out that you know we can do some cutting edge stuff. We can revamp ourselves. We don't have to rely on a hundred years of of Archie tales. Right. When, when was Archie first? Twenty something. Uh, Archie first. Twenty. Was it nineteen? Nineteen forty. Oh, nineteen forty. First appearance. Okay. Yeah. Almost 100 years. Yeah, give or take. But I think that they have tapped into something, and certainly with the success of Afterlife with Archie and the um, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think that they've kind of really recognized that we can tell new tales of this, we can revamp things, and audiences will like it or they won't like it. And certainly by taking a different approach to the art, by taking a different approach to the stories that they're telling, to Mm -hmm. modernize, I mean... um, and again, I say modernized because Riverdale has always been modern. Right. Uh, you can go back into the archives yep. and you can find that they were always hip to what yep. was going on with the young kids. Yep. But something they were about, hipsters and then they were hippies and then for a while they were Jesus freaks. And Yeah, but there's something about this new batch where they're basically saying, wow, us creators and the creators are and they're putting it up there and they're putting some big names on this. Yeah. And uh, fans are responding. So I, I think that is a good thing, whether it's uh, Adam Hughes on Betty and Veronica or Mark Wade on the Archie title or um, um, mm-hmm. Zadarsky on Jughead. Isn't it Zadarsky on Jughead? It was Zadarsky. Zadarsky left the book and they have um, – I can't remember the new guy. Erica Henderson is doing the art on Jughead right. now, which is fascinating. But regardless, it seems like Archie has been given a new life. Yeah. This feels like, I mean, Archie has long been the quintessential teenage book. This feels like it's aimed at the modern teenagers or early 20s. I mean, this feels like it's aimed at that, I'm not going to use the M word, but that audience that, you know, we bump into on social media, that I see a lot on the Tumblr, the, the kids who are into the social issues, the kids who are into acceptance and the kids who are open to thought processes that even people our age when we were 15 and 16 were like, what? And I really feel like it's kind of phenomenal to see a company of of this vintage, first of all. These guys were around before World War II. They've been doing this forever. And there was a time not so very long ago when an Archie comic was – an, an embarrassing novelty act. An Archie comic was considered right. archaic right. and out of date. And yeah. now, if, when you talk about Archie, you're talking about some of the foremost creative, uh, certainly creative in terms of diversity and uh, social issues, but creative in terms of expanding what you do when you're telling a comic book story. And that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, just last month, the the issue of Jughead where Sabrina first shows up right. in New Archie. And I'm like, the, it was a beautiful issue. It was a beautiful reveal. And I realized that it's one of three 
concurrent portrayals of Sabrina that are separate and distinct, and each one is interesting and valid. It's it's almost like these characters are as iconic as the cape and masky tightsy guys that we've seen for years and years, but they've put them in these different situations and they're behaving differently. So I love the fact that we're seeing a very modern take on, on Josie because when you look at this book, probably the, the most entertaining thing about it for me is that everything you know about classic Josie is here. Melody is not the brightest bulb in the bottom of the barrel. And hey, Valerie she's memorized is, War and Peace. Right. Anna Karenina. And Valerie is smart and talented and awesome. And Josie is driven and cute and peppy. And, and Alexandra is just the worst. There's really nothing here that is new in terms of the characterization, the layout, the breakdown. It's all in the execution. It's all in the dialogue and the nuance and that and the art, by the way, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I you know, all these things are really great, except I have kind of a problem with this book. Do you? Yeah, and it's the same thing that you had a problem with the other day mm-hmm. in one of the reviews that you did in uh, when you were talking about how when you try to portray music in a yes. written form, it, it often doesn't work. And here it doesn't kind of work whenever they're singing. It it there's something off about it because you don't know what the rhyme is, you don't know what the beat is. Mm-hmm. So it it just it doesn't flow right. And uh, so I think that was the thing that is probably of of everything. And this is something that probably would need to be addressed going forward is mm-hmm. if you can't understand the lyrics, you can't understand if they're good or not. You can't understand if the group is good or not. And uh-huh. your belief in the group is what's going to cause you to continue to believe that they can be a success. That That is a very valid point because, you know, three pages apart, we see the girls uh, singing badly. And we see the response of the audience and Alexandra. Mm-hmm. And then they make some changes. They give a big hug. They start singing again. And implicitly, they're singing well. But, yeah, we can't tell yeah, we any don't know. difference. We, we don't know if Josie is tone deaf. Right. And, and she's singing off key. Uh, right. We can hear what Alexandra is saying. But, right. again, it's it's a biased view from someone who hates Josie. So Josie's not singing off key. Josie's an angel. It's just that Valerie has a stronger voice. Yeah. So I think that to me was the biggest stumbling block or the biggest hurdle that, that I had to get over when doing this. And so I, I like this issue. I like where it's going. I like that we're getting, you know, the start of this band. Um, but there's something that hasn't quite gelled with me yet in this book. Um, the writing is fine. Characterization is fine. But the singing bits and this book is going to have to rely heavily on (laughs) singing Uh, or at least if it does, you can limit it to maybe a one page splash or something, Mm -hmm. but not a third of the issue. Yeah, it's going to be a balancing act. It's going to be really difficult because it's a musical story featuring musical characters. They're going to have to find a way to either streamline that in so that it doesn't become distracting to you. And Mm -hmm. Less so to me, but definitely it was a thing. And that, I think, is always going to be your issue with the Josie and the Pussycat story to some degree. I mean, I don't know if it'll always be my issue, but I mean, they need to do something to. Historically, if we go back to the the beginning of Josie and the Pussycats, or as I like to call them, hey, guys, let's make a, a, a group like the Monkees with a cuter bass player. Not saying that Peter's not cute. I'm just saying. But yeah, definitely that is 
that's always going to be a problem when you're dealing with a book that is this musical. So I'd say that is a definite legit criticism. Mm -hmm. Because if you read uh, this story, like most of the new Archie books has um, a reprint in the back. And that reprint is the first appearance of Josie and the Pussycats. Right. From like Pep 22 or something. And if you look at this, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got uh, Melody who is... uh, um, you know, she's got the sing-songiness to her vo- voice, and they're just indicating that by a little note, right, as right. she talks. When but she talks like this. In, in the comic, at no point are they actually singing. Uh, yeah. Alexandra uses some magic that she has to yes. make the girls sound like cats when they go up on stage. And, and everybody of loves course, it. everybody loves it. But we're not actually being exposed to lyrics. And so we're not actually getting, I'm going to, put in quotes, real singing here, mm-hmm. uh, you see some musical notes and you see them standing and in four panels, suddenly they're a hit. Uh, right. And I think that's a lot different than this one that opens up with Josie right. in her imaginary world uh, singing something. And we're trying to figure out what this is and yeah. you know, trying to make sense of it. So, I mean, I'm there not are, saying it's yeah, bad. There are three musical performances in right. the book. Right. So, yeah. What did... Uh, what, what did Alexandra run off with in the coffee shop? She stole something of Josie's. Was it her songbook? She's the devil. The devil! I'm not sure, actually. Because it go. was sitting on the counter. Alexandra walks in, and then we see her walking out after they have a fight. And uh, circled is uh, this notebook she's carrying that says Josie on it. I wonder if it's Josie's book of songs. That's, that what, she... I, that's what I think it is. It's the book of songs. Because um, a couple panels back on the page back when she's talking to the bar owner. You can see it clearly on the on the uh, counter before Alexandra walks in. Yep. And who so, I think she's Melody. Plotting. Melody is definitely over twenty one. Oh yeah. Because there's vodka in the fridge. Yep. And ice cream. Yep. Well, the vodka is important. Well, I mean, I suppose. No, vodka is very very important. Hmm. Okay. Sometimes you need to have vodka. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this, and and again, I don't. I don't know enough about manga or anime in general, mm-hmm. but doesn't this have a weird kind of uh, uh, Sailor Moon kind of vibe to it where, I mean, they, they kind of, from the art style, they kind of look like uh, manga characters. Uh, but then at the end when they're introduced to their, um, to this uh, guy that really takes a liking to their music, mm-hmm. this bigwig guy, he just seems like, you know, one of these magical men that come out. And now, granted, he's not wearing a top hat and cape. Right. But he seems to almost feel like we're in the middle of an anime manga story. And here's the dashing hero guy that everyone's going to pine over going forward. Well, I mean, you can definitely make the case. And I think the biggest case for it is, as with a manga story, sometimes the facial expressions are simplified for emphasis. Mm -hmm. And you'll have super detailed backgrounds where it's clearly... You see where they are. They're in, you know, the veterinary clinic where we first see Valerie. But when Melody sees the kitties and who's dancing around, really, really exaggerated kitty, 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 kitty kind of facial expression. So, yeah, I can see that. Now, who did the art on this? Uh, the art on this issue is being done by um, Audrey Mock, I think is how you say your name, M-O-K. Unfamiliar with the uh, name, but, this but is... uh, it's it's good art. Uh, I mean, everything about yeah. it, uh, Marguerite Bennett and uh, Cameron uh, Diordio, uh, mm-hmm. Diordio. I uh, uh, don't know how to say his last name, but um, 
you know, the writing is good. I mean, it's solid. It's a solid story. I just my concern is maybe keep the musical numbers to a limited going forward. Or maybe find find a way to do them with a beat or I don't know. I don't know how you would do it. Something. Well, there's a lot of ways you can do it. And probably the simplest way and maybe the way that won't work in this context is to give us an expectation of what song beat we know that they're singing to the tune of Inagata De Vida yeah, yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But I don't know. Or, you know, this is this is the digital age, man. You can actually make the songs available on Archie's mm-hmm. website for 19 yeah, cents. You can put it up on Sound, SoundCloud or something like that. Yeah. Um, or the, and again, the that t- would require that you go and find a band of people to uh, to do this. That's uh, because Josie's not about cover music. She's about original music. So they're going to have to come up with the original music. <laughs> OK. Josie Man was based on the Archies who were based on the monkeys. Who, and never mind. That's cool. You remember the cartoon? I love the cartoon. Yeah. Where they traveled around on their space van. That was Josie and the Pussycats in space. Yeah. That was season three. Yeah. I remember that. Everything in became. space. Yeah. I bet by issue three, they're flying around in their space truck in this comic. Did you see that regular show is now on space? Uh, regular show is uh, off the air at the end of this season. Yeah. And so this is last Adventure season Time. is in space. And Adventure Time is uh, ending next year in 2018. In- 2018 is not next year. It's the year after next. Well, it's close enough to the end of this year as far as television is concerned. Everyone's looking at the 2017 season. And uh, so uh, it will end in uh, 2018. So there you go. There you go. That's sad. I guess. I'm waiting for for the other shoe to drop on Steven Universe and say, oh, yeah, there's no more Steven Universe after Thursday. And then we all cry. Um, Who is the creator of that show? Rebecca Sugar. Yeah, Rebecca Sugar. Um. She's gotten a lot of backlash lately, hasn't she, from like diehard fans? I don't know. Um, I know there were there were a couple of controversial moments that people were, you know, throwing up a little I, bit. I, you know, I think fandom is really great, but sometimes fans can be horrible. Yeah. And I don't it's, understand that. I mean. Why would you be mean to someone who is producing something? Well, I think, or even to other fans who who like something, right? I mean. Yeah. I can understand being threatened by um, a group of people coming in to enjoy your your genre. That's why the fake geek girl thing kicked off, right? Because men were threatened by women enjoying, quote unquote, their thing. No, that's why. That's, that's, that's a big part of it. That's the underlying thing is they're threatened by it. Um, well, I'll buy that. Yeah. But, I'll still go. But when it comes to like – fans who are like, oh, yes, we all love, um, you know, the Steven Universe. And then one fan is like, yes, here's my art. And everyone's like, oh, how dare you? You are the worst person in the world because you have depicted them in your art style and not in somebody else's style. And then they all just like torture this poor girl to death. It's horrible and it's dumb. And I can't understand. I can't understand why people will go that far to put down a fellow fan of something. It's like Kansas City Chiefs fans. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. let, me, let me pick something better. It's like Denver Broncos <laughs> fans. Right. Suddenly turning on each other because one of them decided to wear a jersey from 1972 to a game. People have specific expectations 
And sometimes they don't even know they have expectations of what they love. So like one of the Steven Universe controversies that I saw was someone was drawing Rose. Yeah, yeah this is the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Drawing Rose as a thinner character than you see on the show. Part of the reason that people love Rose is because they want the body positivity and a larger character. And that is an entirely emotional thing. And when you're really attached to something as a fan, sometimes you have an unwarranted sense of ownership. And that's where you get not only the, you know, the blowback against the creators, the blowback against other fans, angry wars between the people who want, uh, you know, they want Castile to sleep with Dean or they want him to sleep with Hank. I don't know. I don't know anything about Supernatural, but I know that there are people who fight over who the angel should be dating. And what it really boils down to is you are attached to emotionally, you're attached to the material. And that's good. Well, it's, it, I think but it's good to a point until once, until once the in, until literally until the infighting starts. Right. And once then you yell, everything fire falls in the apart. Theater. Yeah. Well, and, but that's the sad thing is that ultimately the fandom will fall apart because people are going to look at it and go, is this the fandom that I thought I got into? And this is how people are, are reacting and acting. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to go like something else. And then so they dissolve. And that's that's an unfortunate. Yeah, but I, I like to think that fans, not as a whole, because obviously, you know, I, I don't remember who said it. But somebody said that people are smart or a person is smart, but people are stupid, panicked animals. And that is true when it comes to any fandom, any grouping. I mean, even even a small grouping, even, you know, say somebody who's like, you know what? We really love the critical hit, but we're mad that X character is gone. Where is that character gone? That's the character that I love. When you really hook on to something, when you feel like you atta are attached to something, sometimes you have to take a step back and try and understand the why. Why well, think, are you so well, attached to this? And no, it's, it's, it's not so much yeah. about that kind of an attachment that you explained with Critical Hit. It would be more like, oh, man, I really love character X, and that mm -hmm. character is no longer here. And then someone else coming in and saying – you love that character. You're an idiot because you love that character. Everyone knows that character Y is the best character and character X is dumb and you're dumb for that. Everyone knows that critical hit only works because of character Y. And then they get into that kind of an argument. Now you can certainly have your favorite character. Mm -hmm. Like I personally, I like Josie in this and I'm not right. normally a big fan of, of redheads. Valerie. Um, what's that? Valerie. You like Valerie? You're wrong. It's Valerie. No, I mean, saying I'm personally in this, that's who I who I like is is Josie. But I'm not going to, you know, rip apart and humiliate and send death threats to you because you're in love with Valerie. Right. That would be fandom gone wrong. You can you and I can have a discussion of why you like Valerie more than than, you know, another character. And that's fine and legitimate. But to for fandom to attack itself over. What is essentially trivial things. Mm -hmm. thus destroying the fandom for that property. I don't know. It just, it, it confuses me because it's something I've been thinking about for probably, I don't know, two or three months now where probably a couple of times a week, I'll be thinking about why do fans turn on each other like this when they, they feel like they have an entitlement or an ownership. Maybe it's an entitlement, not an ownership where mm -hmm. they feel entitled more than somebody else. 
who also enjoys this mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense it, it in some cases it does because many times and i'm i'm including myself in this when you really really like when you really become a, a a diehard fan of something it's because it fulfills some sort of emotional niche some sort of emotional need for you and sometimes you take that emotional niche and you say that that's what the show is that's what the property is and then someone says to you no you're wrong it feels like they're attacking you on a personal level now that is in some ca- i would say a, a level of immaturity in play i would say that definitely you know in in fighting and and civil wars within fandom are definitely immaturity at play but it's a question also of being able to rationally look at yourself and being able to say why am i so mad at steven right. for not realizing that valerie is the best right right i mean because ultimately what and and it's really weird too when a single creator, and let's just mm-hmm. say creator X, who's a Steve Secret or Steve Creator Secret. X, <laughs> right? Speed, <laughs> speed, speed Creator's elder brother. But let's say Creator oh, no. X, my secret the, brother is here, the sole creator uh-huh. of this property, right? Whatever right. property we're talking about, and has written all the shows, is the executive producer of all the shows, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then fans imprint their own meaning onto stuff and their own backstories onto stuff and yada, yada, yada. Right. And then when the creator comes out and says, no, this is, this is what this means. This is what the meaning is behind this. This is what this is and all things. And then suddenly fandom turns on that creator. Right. And it's like, oh no, creator, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, um, I'm the creator. You're the creator and and now you're doing it wrong. It's like they're, you you lied to us. You led us astray. It's like religious people turning on God. Well, to some degree, yes, but there are people who do that. And you'll, you'll note that there are rifts and reformations and changes and, and reinterpretations. And even that is a question of, well, wait, what about this? Oh no, somebody interpreted it wrong. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I don't, um, Maybe it's because I, you know, I'm okay with, with changes because I understand that, I mean, I'm not okay with all change, right? I don't think anyone is okay with, you know, yeah. all change, but yeah, I think I'm okay enough with. for canceling Legends of the Dark. I did. I came to grips with that. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, but I understand that I don't own Batman and right. I'm not the writer of Batman or the creator of Batman or Flash or anybody, Josie and the Pussycats. Flashman. And if, and if they decide that this writer is going to tell me a story about Flashman and it's not the Flashman that I want, right. then I know that in six to 12 issues, <laughs> I'm going to have somebody else come on board that's going to have a different take on Flashman or Josie and the Pussycats or, Heck, you know, whatever, Robin. In Although today's they could market, get rid of, there's uh, probably, Damian. yeah, there's probably three or four different versions of, of yeah, Flashman. Yeah, like you were saying with Sabrina, how uh, currently at Archie, we're getting three different versions of, of Sabrina. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's totally valid, but- I don't know. I, I and I don't think that it's correct in saying that fan has its root in fanatic. I don't know if that's 100 percent right. I mean, I've tried looking it up and I've that's, seen it. I've seen it noted in some other places, but then I'm also seeing some other people who are like, oh, no, no, no. It comes from something else uh, totally different. But it seems like people get pretty fanatical about things. And um, 
I don't know. It's just it's weird to me. And maybe our listeners can also fill in their thoughts on mm-hmm. this and, and why fandom turns in on itself. Uh, why are, over why are people jerks? Well, I mean, more, more <laughs> so I'm not people are jerks for a number of different reasons. A lot of it has to do with upbringing. But um, uh, I think why does fandom turn on itself mm-hmm. is a good question. That you and I aren't going to answer in this show because this isn't the show to answer that in. There are many other shows that we could do this, but our listeners could give us a start by heading over to Majorspoilers.com and using the comment section for this episode to share their thoughts on why fandom seems at one point just really cool and there's a lot of cool fandom people in there. And then suddenly they start turning on each other for no reason. I can't figure (laughs) that part out. I mean, even in the cosplay community. Yep. You know, suddenly someone has a bit of a success and, and that may be more of a success thing, but suddenly cosplayers turn on each other or comic book fans turn on each other or whatever, whatever, whatever thing that you love. Yeah. For some reasons, fans turn on each other. Yeah. And it's I mean, even if you say that if you don't believe the etymology of fanatic, you do have to look at the fact that if you say fanatic, you're actually talking about someone who has yeah very passionate beliefs uh, very strong feelings and uncritical is the thing they're not analyzing it it's an uncritical mm-hmm. devotion it's complete it's 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 overwhelming mm-hmm. and that's the point where things get out of control i mean it's like blue beetle i love blue beetle but i've also been around long enough that this is my fourth blue beetle there have been enough blue beetles to where i go you know all of these blue beetles have something going for them. I'm not super attached to one over the other. I like the fact that they have both blue beetles in play right now or two blue beetles of the uh, 57, but there are people who, and some of them actually work in the companies making these books who cannot fathom a blue beetle who is not Ted Cord or an Adam who's not Ray Palmer or a wonder woman who's not, well, that's probably a different argument for another show. Well, but that that argument is yeah, that's, I don't that's, know why people are surprised. That's all I'll say on that. That's right. It's I mean, been, it's, these I mean, are people who cannot pick up on their subtext. <laughs> is all I'm saying. Seventy five years. It just is. And why is it? Why? I mean, I know why. I know why it matters. Right. I know why it matters because there are people who now have somebody that uh, represents them. Right. But for those people that are upset about it, why does it matter? Mm -hmm. And once again, (laughs) uncritical devotion. (laughs) So, yeah, what's coming up next week from Uh, Dark Horse uh, Comics has Astro Boy Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume 5. Black Dog Dreams of Paul Nash. Yeah, Bounty Number 4, Secret Loves of Geek Girls, trade paperback. I think, isn't that, um, who is that one? Secret Secret, Loves uh, of Geek Girls. I want to, for some reason, something about Neil Gaiman pops into my head whenever I hear that. Um, (laughs) I just Oh, no, but Hope Nicholson. Hope Nicholson. I guess maybe he had tweeted it at some point. Geek Girls makes me think of Neil Gaiman. Yes. Uh, Aquaman number eight over at DC Comics. Batman number eight. Cyborg number two. Clean Room number 12. That's a mature comics, uh, Mm -hmm. mature title from uh, Gail Simone and Friends. Yes, sir. Ever After from the pages of Fables number two. That's also a Vertigo imprint. Flash, an adult coloring book trade paperback. (laughs) That'll be fun. I might get that for my kids. 
adult coloring books. What, what's kind of interesting about the adult coloring books, especially when they're when they're essentially just the uncolored pages from the comics, uh-huh. is it gives you a chance to practice your coloring skills. So if you would want to apply for a job as a colorist, now I know that it doesn't pay very well and the market's no, they, oversaturated. They don't, they don't use my, they don't use crayons. No, but I mean, you can scan this in and, and drop it into Photoshop and have essentially what is your inked page that you're coloring. So it gives you a chance to practice your coloring. Yeah. Uh, Future Quest number five, Flintstones number four, Ooh. Green Lanterns number eight, He-Man and the Thundercats number one of six. He-Man and the Thundercats. He-Man and the Thundercats. Thunder, thunder, thunder. By the power of Thundercats. Well, they got I have the meow meows. <laughs> Nightwing number six. Snarf, what? snarf. Superman number eight. Yes, 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 yes. Swamp Thing, the dead don't sleep trade paperback. Over at IDW, page, swamp, uh, IDW swamp. Publishing. Angry Birds Comics number 10. Yes. Archangel number three. Dungeons and Dragons number five. Jack Boot and Iron Heel number three of four. Uh, Revolution number two. That's their big event that is throwing in all the yeah. Hasbro titles into one universe. You say you want a revolution? Yeah, you do, and that's why they're all getting their own. Why they're all part of the uh, the the cinematic universe as well. Yep. Not because of revolution, but. Well, yeah. But Ooh, too bad this is a five issue series instead of a nine issue series or a twelve issue series. Ooh, so you, you could, could have, have revolution, revolution number nine. nine. Number nine. And that's all that is um, said throughout nine. the issue. The Transformers um, glitch nine. out and just start saying number nine every time. Um, Rom, Rom, all he sees all the the nine. night wraiths as uh, as nines. A nine. Or he has to hunt nine of them. A nine. X-Files, Secret Agenda, Trade Paperback. That's a prose book. 1999 there. 1999. Over at Image Comics, you have Cannibal number one. Oh, Cannibal number one. Cannonball is, a, is an X-Man. <laughs> is he? Yes. Uh, green Valley number one of nine. How green was your valley? Image, uh, Image Comics also has Moonshine number one, Paper Girls number 10, Red One number four, Walking Dead 159. Wow. Uh, they also have a Walking Dead Rick Grimes adult coloring book. <laughs> what color should we make? Rick's, Lots of red uh, and green and brown. Right. Rick's uh, cut off stump hand should yes. be red. Marvel Comics has the all new Wolverine number 13, Cage number one of four, Champions number one now. Champions. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money number four now. Deadpool back in black number one. That's where... Uh, <laughs> He teams up or he puts on the Venom suit. Uh, the Enchanted Tiki Room, number one, comes out. That's the Disney crossover. That's where they have been doing these series based on the uh, attractions at Disney World and Disneyland. Now they just finished, what What was it? The, uh, Haunted the Mansion, Hawk I think, Trail? just ra- wrapped up. I know they had Something Big Thunder Something about Mountain. a railroad? Well, they had the Big Thunder Mountain. Was, there you uh, go. That, that's the one. That was like a The Big Rock so. Candy Mountain. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, Jessica Jones, number one. Oh, cool. Uh, comes out. That'll be a lot of fun. Scarlet Witch number 11, Spider-Man 2099 number 16. Uh, Mark Spidey Down number 11. Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel Universe. Original graphic novel hardcover. That's a $24 book. Hardcover Squirrel Girl? Hardcover Squirrel Girl. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the year 2016, and we have just said the words hardcover Squirrel Girl. She's going to beat up and- the Marvel Universe. You could not have seen that coming in 1991 when Squirrel Girl first appeared. Uh, ANA, Archer and Armstrong, number eight, comes out, as does Aftermath, Big Clean, number two. Aftermath Archie meets the Ramones, one team. shot. Oh, Archie meets the Ramones. Hey-ho, let's go. <laughs> At least when they sing in that book, you'll know hey, what the tunes uh, are, right? 
Well, yeah, because every song goes da 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 da. All the Ramones songs go one, two, three, four. Da 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 da. I'm gonna have to after we're done recording. I'm gonna have to open up my Ramones collection and listen to the best of. Uh, Assassin's Creed number twelve. Oh, Betty honey, honey, Boop, honey, number one. Oh, you read uh, you reviewed Betty Boop number one this week. I did on the I Major Spoilers Betty podcast. Boop. Yeah. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York number one crossover. You're going to check that out. Black number Crisis one. Crisis on Infinite Kurt Russell's. Um, Charles Burns Last Look. I don't know what that's about. Well, Charles Burns is the guy who uh, wrote and drew Black Hole. Hmm. So I imagine that it's a new Charles Burroughs coming. Maybe. Let's see. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales Genesis Heroes Reborn. Genesis. Uh, let's let's go down and scroll down a little farther. Goldie Vance number six. I hear good things about Goldie Vance. And Action Jack. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales Annual 2016 number one. Hard Case Crime Trigger Man number one. Oh, these are going to be interesting because uh, Titan Publishing, Titan Comics, mm-hmm. has a new imprint of hard crime tales in comic book form. So these are going to be pretty adult and these are going to be pretty hard hitting, but I'm interested in seeing what the, the books are going to be about, what the stories are going to be about. These are all mature readers books, but -hmm. hard case crimes, trigger man. Number one comes out next week. I bet it's a man with a trigger. It might be. If you've seen the covers to them, they look like pulpy covers from the forties and fifties. They look super cool. And some of the interiors look really interesting as well. She was a dame. He was are, a uh, in the previews that we have at major spoilers. A lot of things are blacked out. So be aware of that. Ooh. Uh, homies, number nudity? one. No, no, no. Nudity. no gonna, okay. You think they're going to, you think comic books are going to block out violence? Heck no. That's the main selling point. <laughs> Someone getting their head blown off in the pages of Invincible, yet we can't show an Adam Eve with her clothes off or breastfeeding their child because, oh no, we want that to. would, no, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that if they had done that, people would have it flipped would have the heck issue. out. It's a double standard. That is a double standard. Speaking of double standards, Jungle mm-hmm. Fantasy Annual Number 1. It's all Little Tales in the Forest. Jungle oh, Little Tales in the Forest and, and Little Tales in the Jungle. Interesting. Um, I don't what know if they're related. By. They must be because they're right next to each other in the list. Well, they're um, alphabetically right next to each <laughs> other in the list. <laughs> they're both called little tales. <laughs> That's like saying adventures of Batman and adventures of Spider-Man are the same thing. Oh no, because they wouldn't be next to each other. There'd actually be the, you know, like the adventures of squirrel girl. Yeah. Uh, secret history of twin peaks, the hardcover novel. That's 30 bucks. There rough riders. Number six, Rochelle, number three, Return of Honey Buzzard graphic novel. Honey Buzzard. Oh, you know, we talked earlier about regular show coming to an end. Don't worry. The comic book series for both regular show and Adventure Time continue. Nice. I think regular show is, I want to say dynamite maybe, but it could be boom. Regular show, I think it's a boom kids. But I know that Adventure Time is boom. Yeah. Uh, Soft City graphic novel, Stone Man Mysteries, Thin number two, Voltron Legendary Defender number three of four. And here we go, Zombie Tramp, Halloween 2016. It's got a Mendoza cover, a Mendoza uh, Risqué cover, a mm-hmm. Slasher cover, a Risqué Slasher cover, a McKay cover, McKay, oh, sorry, uh, McKay, I thought it was McKay, a McKay uh, cover and a McKay Risqué cover. McKay Risqué? Yes. That's my drag name. I'm sure it is. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you are interested in these comics, well, you can certainly find the complete list over at Major Spoilers uh, next week. Uh, but if you're looking for something in particular, you really need to make a point, especially when it comes to the smaller publishers that we read towards the end of this list. If you're interested in those, you really need to check out your local comic shop 
and let them know that you want to order this stuff or you want them to get yep. it for you. Now, they may not you may not walk in and be able to pick up um, uh, a gold digger number 237. Right. Which apparently, according to a certain website, listed as the longest running uh, comic featuring featuring female leads ever. Mm. Uh, because it's been un- uninterrupted under like Wonder Woman, which has had multiple volumes. Right. And there was a time when there was no Wonder Woman. Right. There was only Brief. Artemis. Artemis. Uh, but if you want to pick up Gold Digger 237, you're going to need to let your comic shop know. Now, if you go in on Wednesday next week, you say, hey, man, I'm here to pick up my Gold Digger number 237. They're going to look at you and go, first of all, what's a Gold Digger? And number two, they're going to say, well, we don't have it here, but if you give me a week or two, I could probably track down a copy for you. You don't want to put your LCS through that. So be right. kind, order ahead. Orders were due two days ago for the next if for, they're for December. Super hip, if they're hip to the super jive, they might say, I'm not saying she's a gold digger, but I'll order you the comic. But here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you can get, I would say, 95% of all these comics that are coming out next week, also in digital format on Comixology and other places. True. You might also look there. Next week on Dueling Review... Moonshine number one, written by Brian Azzarello, art by Eduardo Riso. Image Comics, set during Prohibition and deep in the backwoods of Appalachia, Moonshine number one tells the story of Lou Pirlo, a city slick torpedo sent from New York to negotiate a deal with the best moonshiner in West Virginia, one Hiram Holt. What Lou doesn't figure on is that Holt is just as cunning and ruthless as any crime boss in NYC, because not only will Holt do anything to protect his illicit booze operation, he'll stop at nothing to protect a much darker family secret, a bloody supernatural secret that must never see the light of day or better still the light of the full moon you can show your support for this show and everything we do at major spoilers by becoming a patreon member at patreon.com slash major spoilers your contribution allows us to keep this show going pay for our growing costs and gives us the motivation to produce more content for you each and every week so if you enjoyed this episode you got something out of it made you laugh made you think made you uh, rush out and buy archie comics josie's and the pussycats number one then uh, think about kicking a little bit back our way. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review, and we will talk with you next time when you will hear Matthew say, Fanaticus is from the Latin, meaning insanely but divinely inspired. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.